This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Hands Shot First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. This week we're talking about Amadeus. Oh, Amadeus, oh. Amadeus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. <laughs> That's right. Okay. This movie came out in 1984, which I did not realize it was that old. Yeah. Directed by Milos Foreman. Written by Peter Schaefer. Original stage play. Original screenplay also done by Peter Schaefer. Starring F. Murray Abraham. Tom Holche? Holsey? Holse, I think. It's Holse? Holse right. and also I'm pretty sure it's Milos. Milos. Yeah. Elizabeth Bridge. I'm sure I'm saying all these names. Ron Dotrice. Another win for Milos. F. Simon that, Callow. F. That Murray Jeffrey Abraham. Jones. <laughs> and Kenny Baker. That's right. Kenny Baker, a uh, a also very young um, Cynthia Nixon too. Who's that? The the maid. Oh, I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, but what is she from? Uh, most famously from Sex and the City. Oh, which he's she's been acting forever. Mm-hmm. What the hell is Gracie Law doing here? Yeah. Okay, well I nominated this movie. And uh, I've only seen it once before this, but I really liked it. But I wasn't sure if I was gonna if I'd like it the second time. And I, without spoiler, I did. I enjoyed this. I did watch the director's cut. I don't know which one I watched the original time, but uh, it's three hours, so it's it's a long movie. But <laughs> it didn't seem that long to me. I think we've watched two hour movies that felt longer than this. So there's something to say about that. Mm-hmm. By this point, uh, Mozart, all Mozart music is like public domain, right? Well, he's passed away. I didn't know if you know that. I did. Oh. Spoiler. Wait, wait, he's dead? <laughs> I'm afraid so, Scott. Oh. Uh, I thought he was just taking a rest in a potato sack and a <laughs> hole. Yeah, over. But they, they, they tossed powdered sugar on him, right? Just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Jeff. I. I would like to think that that everything that came out before, like <laughs> like the 1900s, <laughs> is public domain. So therefore, I think it, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, copyright law didn't even exist back then. I'm sure. Anyway, you should be listening to some Mozart music. So I'm gonna put it in the background. Cool. And if the the lawyers from Amadeus, Wolfgang, Amadeus, what Mozart <laughs> come after us? Wolfgang, and, Wolfgang, and Amadeus will represent you. Yeah. Anyway, but I did not see this in the theater. I saw it on Netflix. I think I got like the red disc in the mail. Um, yeah, and I liked it. And that's it. And we'll talk about it some more. Alex, what's your history in this movie? Uh, my history is that my dad owned the Betamax version of this wow. film. Now, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that was the three-hour long one. But this is this is weird because it's one of those films that you can't find anything except the director's cut of. Like, yeah, I at least streaming, I couldn't. Yeah. yeah, same. Everything was the director's cut. It's like, all right. But yeah, I saw it. I saw bits and pieces of it. 
and then I saw just like clips, I think in like trivia, or like trivia games and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's it's my first time watching it all the way through. I enjoyed it. Oh. All right, and Scott. I want to say I watched this my sophomore year in high school in class. Like I don't remember if we watched the whole movie. Uh, maybe there was an abridged version. I certainly don't remember seeing any titties. So <laughs> director's cut. I think that was the only thing he added. So so. Um, I don't remember seeing any titties. <laughs> that's that's putting it very crudely, but yeah, I definitely don't like. I think I think like I don't, how old I've been, like fifteen year old me would would have remembered if there had been nudity. Um, but yeah, I remember watching this in high school and, and thinking it was really good. Uh, and and seeing it, I, I definitely watched it at least once over the years. I don't remember when, uh, but it definitely been a while. And uh, like like you guys said, um, it is very long, but yeah, it certainly doesn't feel as long as some of the other stuff that, that we watched. Uh, I'm looking at the mm-hmm. IMDb page, and they clock it in at 2:40. So it sounds like the directors cut it like an extra 15, almost 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna look up the differences, but I didn't. I'm just wondering if they just let them just you know full on have opera. Yeah, I gotta, like, I gotta think that's where a lot of the stuff got cut. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna watch all this show, huh? All right, cool. And more to say about that later. But this movie cleaned up at the Oscars. Uh, won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Costume Design, Best Production Design, Best Sound Mixing, Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Nominated for Best Actor, Best Film Editing, and Best Cinematography. So, so in a, in a bit of irony, uh, F. Murray Abraham actually beat out Tom Hulse. <laughs> for for the active role. Yeah. Well, he deserved it in this one. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no arguments there. But I think it's kind of funny when you, yeah, you're like bounce against the story. Yep. All right. Well, we're gonna talk about it. Uh, each of us have seven items. Uh, I don't normally say it this way, but whatever. We're each gonna talk about seven items <laughs> in the movie. I will go first. And uh, I just kind of briefly touched about it. I touched upon it. Um, the opera scenes were way too long for me. So maybe this is a director's cut thing. I don't know. But I didn't want to watch this. Didn't want to watch opera when I watched this movie. Like, okay, fine. Show some of the stuff. Show him, like the one time where he gets sick toward the end, and all that's fine. But you don't have to show the whole freaking things. I mean, I know it wasn't we, the whole thing. We, but we get it, Jeff. You only like the one where they stick their hand in the horse's butt. That was funny. <laughs> but. Uh, no, some of them just went a little too long for my liking. So that's my number seven. Alex, what's your number seven? My number seven is Papa's foreshadowing. I thought that was really neat. Only because uh, I didn't know what was going to happen in the movie, because it you know been decades, and I hadn't seen the whole thing, obviously. But uh, him at the top of the stairs in that long black robe with the light like shining behind him so he looked like a completely like almost silhouetted figure and he opens his arms in an embrace I'm like oh that's like the, the guy on the Betamax box I, I, I thought yeah it gives very strong imagery but it was a little too on the nose for me <laughs> yeah and this was 1984 and Mozart didn't get it <laughs> what an idiot yeah. Some genius he is. Yeah. That's he gets for being dead. Yeah. God. Alright, um... 
No, I just... <laughs> Alex and I were at a kid's birthday party this weekend. And Alex, I don't know if you heard this. They were talking about my brother's old dog uh, who passed away a couple years ago. And everyone kept saying how good of a dog he was. And the little girl goes, yeah, well, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. Wow. She's afraid. How come he's dead? It was like, well, if he's so good, why is he dead? And I was like, man. Well, it's a uh, kid. There might be some other signs of that kid, like, if they don't get... <laughs> They don't get scared of the thunder. Anyway, Scott, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is the the, the final sequence. Um, it, it I, I thought it was a, a very uh, good uh, kind of denouement of the whole thing, um, and and kind of chilling, and, and it, it almost single-handedly turns the the whole movie into like a, a horror movie um you know kind of what you would expect if you looked at the the poster as, as alex alluded to mm-hmm. uh but the the whole thing of of him saying i'm you know i'm the patron saint of medioc- mediocrity um yeah and he and he goes around uh uh <laughs> speaking for the priest granting absolution uh and then and the priest is is shaking to his core but um, for for Salieri to uh, you know call out the priest in, in his own mediocrity, saying hey, hey, get, like it's like it's okay, like like I recognize that you're bad at what you do too, like <laughs> or you're not very good at what you do either. Um, it, it was just the the a good end cap on how Salieri sees himself by the end of the movie, um, and in his sort of uh, insanity. Mm-hmm. Yep, good stuff. Um, all right, uh, well, my number six is uh, just uh, F. Murray Abraham in this. He's really good. I, I see why he won the award. Um, I, I thought I'd put this higher, but I have individual scenes for the rest of my list. I want to just put that here. He, uh, going back and forth between the old character and the you know the current day character. Thought he really did a good job. I could see why, you know, the way he played it, I could see why Mozart would fall for for his betrayal and all that kind of stuff. It just worked really well, really good for me. And um, and later on in my scenes, they don't work unless he does what he does. So still a special nod just to him. Some of the other actors in this movie, like, I can't believe they said that, what his name was? Uh, Dolce, Dolce, whatever. I don't think he was that good at all, but... Um, <laughs> Dolce Vagano. Gabbana, the yeah, Tom Tom Holes. There it is. Yeah, I found him a little weird, but this guy was really good. That was my number six. Um, did, are 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 you going to talk about the makeup anymore? I am not. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I just just want to say that the makeup is really good. The old man yeah. makeup here. Yeah. Um, like I, I, you know, we usually slam this stuff. At least I do. Um, but they they did an outstanding job here. I mean. Obviously, you can still tell, but uh, for like 1984, this is this is lights out stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it, it's not on my list, but uh, definitely honorable mention to to the old F. Marie. Like they they actually you know, took took pains to make it work. Yeah, I was gonna say so. Like Back to the Future is a year later, and you could, that makeup doesn't hold up as well as his makeup. Not did in n- yeah, not nearly. So yeah, that's that's. I was trying to think of 
what we talked about recently when it came up. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that was my number six. Alex, what's your number six? Too many notes. <laughs> as as an artist myself, when art artists try and give their uh, reasoning or or they try to give excuses for why they don't like something or they want something changed, I felt this so so. I have felt this a lot because I've had shit like this <laughs> in my career. Just, oh, this guy doesn't look heroic enough. Okay, he's like fucking T posed, three <laughs> D models T posed. Like, all right, what do you mean? I, I don't know. Just make him more heroic, and the manager just walks away. And it's like, what the fuck was that? I don't like the way he walks. Well, okay, how should he walk? Well, I don't know. Did, did you ever just go back with the same thing and see if they say like, that's what I wanted? <laughs> I I want to say I did, but I got clearance from my boss. It wasn't you. It wasn't my boss because he was also you know a lead animator, so he knew all this shit also. So when somebody higher up, like a suit, came up and he said he didn't like something, <laughs> and we go, yeah, just change, you know, this little thing, and then whatever, I don't care. And he approved it. <laughs> but yeah, there's too many notes bullshit. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, there's too many notes. Just take some of the notes out, and uh, it'll be perfect. <laughs> which which notes? Uh, I don't know. Just, just needs less notes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's good. All right, Scott, number six. Uh, this, this is a, a, a amazing period piece. Uh, there's, there's really not that many sets, uh, but but each of them uh, feels just very authentic. And, and I I don't know like <laughs> how much uh, you know late uh, 1700s Vienna looked like. Um, but, uh, yeah, it all, it all looks spot on. Uh, one of the things they did for this movie, uh, that seems like a huge pain in the ass, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I think it, it really works for the movie is the movie only has natural lighting. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. so, Shit. so it's all, it's all, it's all candles and, 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 and fire and then just light coming in through windows, um. Like, you know, just just like it would have been at at the time, uh, and the movie was actually filmed in Prague, um, but but still feels like like they, they, again they only show like those two or three streets, um, and like the postern gate, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it, it all feels very authentic. All the the costuming is is great. Uh, again, I I don't know how realistic it all is, um, but they they go to great pains for all of the. Uh, yeah, it's just calm wigs. <laughs> yeah, uh, powdered in, wigs. In this movie, like just a ton of them. Yeah, yeah, um, and it, it all uh, works to, to great effect here. Yep, agreed. I, I agree, and that's my number five. Actually, uh, everything you just said—the costumes, uh, period piece, everything—just—it felt like I would think, like like I would imagine it would be. Like, obviously, I'm not a history buff of that time period or that area or anything. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Oh, those goddamn wigs. <laughs> By the way, yeah. when F. Murray Abraham was in like his, I don't know what, what outfit I would make him, but he had like a brown ponytail or whatever. He looked like the piss boy. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a bucket of shit. 
<laughs> you did. If you go back and look at what Mel Brooks was wearing in that one, very similar. <laughs> That's my number five. Uh, Alex, what's your number five? My number five is I love the editing in this movie. Uh, there was only one misstep for me, and that was at the very end, and when uh, Amadeus and and uh, Soldieri were like, you know, composing. He was helping him compose his last piece. And all of a sudden, you just see, like, uh, the shot of the wife, like, at some party. And she's like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go back to, to, to Wolfgang. You know, I miss him. And it's like, okay, where the fuck did that come from? Like, they didn't do any, like, previous, like, setup shots of her, like, having a good time at a party. There was no, like, time taken to show how she missed him or how, you know, sad she was or, you know, pretending to be happy at this party. Nothing like that. It was just a, a harsh cut to her at a party and then I have to go and then it was back to Amadeus and Solieri composing in his bedroom and uh, I know they had to have something so they, they could do the um, the shots of her in the carriage racing home while he was composing and, and you know in his uh, inevitable decline uh, but yeah that just took me out of it a bit like that one that one edit I was like that's a weird choice so other than that, this movie's like brilliant when it comes to the editing. Yeah, so I got confused. Like, did she, they don't really talk about her backstory that much, right? You see her mom, and like, does she come from money? I wouldn't say she came from money, but she wasn't poor either. They said she yeah, was well, a yeah, lady. Yeah, she's definitely like well enough off to like attend these these socialite parties anyway. Mm -hmm. Right, and then she took a stagecoach there, but she didn't like have her own stagecoach. There were it wasn't so she wasn't rich enough to have her own, but she had enough to sit inside, I guess. I don't know if they just gave it to her because she had a kid, but I don't know how that works. I don't know how the you know first class sits <laughs> in a stagecoach, but you know yeah, that stagecoach didn't have a car seat in it. Yeah, really, kid. But like, I wondered, like, the whole time she wanted money, like, yeah, she never said, oh, we can ask my parents for money. So she didn't, you would think if you came from that kind of family, she would have. And she never mentions that. Right. Right. So. Okay. All right. Uh, Scott, number five. Number five, and uh, Alex kind of touched a little bit on this from an office standpoint, but uh, it's interesting to, to see, like, art and politics mixed together. Um, you know, like, we're, we're more apt to get something like, like, I don't know, Footloose <laughs> these days, where, where anything like that, that happens, um, you know, a bunch of kids using, like, dance to fight against the man or whatever, but, uh, it was, it was interesting to see, like, there, there was this whole court life, um, and, uh, you know, we, we only, really only see the two composers, uh, but there, there was definitely... Um, like some politics that had to be played to uh, to to get into court and uh, to become favored and see Salieri um, is is very good at at um, basically giving a uh, like noncommittal answer to anything that the the emperor asks him, um, but without ever really saying anything, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is. Uh, you know, it, it has an important skill to have when, when you're in the, in the middle of court like that. Uh, you can see how in, in this movie how Mozart, you know, is working against himself, uh, and, and all the different kind of levers uh, that they get pulled down on him 
uh, just for him being himself, basically. Uh, but it is interesting, again, to, you know, art doesn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, and, you know, for better or worse, like, the politics do get involved with this stuff. Um, and, you know, one affects the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to my number four, and uh, it's the introduction to to Wolfie. So, you know, you're expected to see, you know, even um, Solieri is, like, looking for him. Who is this man? Who does he look like? And he's just running through, chasing tail, <laughs> pulling her <laughs> under the table. And, you know, his laugh, everything about him is not what everyone would think is, like, the greatest composer of all time, right? Like, <laughs> I, I just love it. It was a cool cool introduction to him. And uh, But then when you get to know him, like, yeah, he's eccentric and all that stuff. So it kind of does make sense. I don't know. Um, him talking backwards is a little too close to Dustin, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. The introduction to Mozart at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Alex, which number four? My number four is just the sheer opulence of just everything. Um, yeah, it, it was like assaulting the eyes at first, and then you kind of get used to it. And then I love the way that they... Uh, kind of went into the in-between stage where uh, Amadeus and his wife lived, where it was still, you know, kind of looked kind of fancy, but the street they lived on was kind of shitty, and the apartment wasn't as grand, uh, even though they tried with the chandelier and the Rococo all bullshit and everything. And then when they uh, towards the latter half of the movie, where they go to the Common People's Theater, and that's just a stark contrast between like all like the three areas and everything. I thought that was really. Really neat. Yeah, I kept thinking like their apartment the whole time. Like, That's a very nice apartment, man. If you can't afford it, you could probably downsize and save half your rent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just got to be lucky enough to be audience member when they throw sausages at it. <laughs> oh yeah, out of a horse's butt. Horse's butt. All right, Scott, number four. Uh, okay, uh, my number four is is. Tom Hulse and Mozart here, uh, the character and, and the actor. Um, I, it, the the laugh is a weird choice, yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's obviously meant to be grating. Um, you know, it, it it's it, it, in a way it's it's endearing that that he kind of has this nervous affectation. Yeah, uh, but the laugh itself is. Again, extremely grating, and you know, if Sarlieri wanted to kill him just for that, I can understand. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the laugh, just um, the the way he he plays the character, he's kind of a this this ingenue uh, that that just <laughs> Jade Angelou, Jade Angelou, uh, that, that doesn't you know he says at one point you know I hate politics. He doesn't get like anything beyond like the music and and obviously he's into the social life. Uh, um, I I think the movie it, it does a bad job of of saying whether or, or making it clear of like how faithful is he to his wife? Like like he's obviously got got demons uh, with with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is is he cheating on the side? Did he actually sleep with the uh, the the opera singer at at one point? 
Um, you know, yes. I, 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 you know, I want to talk more about Solieri later, but I think Solieri is kind of the the classic unreliable narrator. Um, so we can't say that for sure. Um, although the movie does have plenty of scenes where it's not really um, Solieri's point of view, but he's the one recounting the story. Mm-hmm. So uh, at any rate, uh, I, I, I do think uh, Tom Hulse uh, does does a good job here of uh, kind of letting him slip. Um, you know, he, he he kind of devolves into where he winds up at the, the end of the movie um, where, yeah, just slowly breaking down. Uh, and you kind of see the transformation throughout the movie, and I think he does a really good job of that. Um, and the Mozart character here um, is, again, tragic because he kind of can't get out of his own way. Uh, and I think the, the movie does a good job of that. Like, this isn't based too much on <laughs> on real shit. Uh, Mozart really did die young. Uh, but by all accounts, like, there, there certainly wasn't any, like, Salieri. Um, and, you know, I, he, I'm sure he was, like, a lot more... Uh, 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 enjoyed at court, I guess. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Um, he wasn't, uh, you know, blacklisted. But I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm way off on that. But I, I don't think that's 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 how it actually went down. But uh, but for the purposes of the movie and and, and the play, I guess. Uh, yeah, the the slow decline of Mozart and Salieri's hand in that. Uh, I think I think Tom Hulse does a good job of, of playing up to that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Sorry, I was a mute. I'm muted. Agreed. <laughs> That's why I was. And you muted again. Yeah. Sorry, I'm coughing here. Um. All right, that was our number fours. So was Amadeus. Whoa, he, he ended up in a coffin. All right. Oh, my number three is when. Uh... Right after you meet Amadeus, and he, uh, I forgot the exact timing, but maybe, basically his music sheet is left out in the open, and uh, Solari goes over and he's reading it, and then he just, it goes back to the old version, he's describing how brilliant the uh, the, the music is, and how, you know, he's, mm-hmm. one note, hold up there, then an elbow, and then leads into a clarinet. The way he's describing that was awesome. Like, I wish I, I appreciated music. <laughs> the way he describes it there. I just listen. Yeah. That's a cool beat. There it is. That's me listening to music. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like the way he's describing it, you know, I think it takes a professional to understand a true genius or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I just really love the way he described it there. It made me appreciate it more. Like, yeah. I don't know what I was talking about, but it sounds good. Yeah, oh, I, 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 like I, I totally uh, agree, Jeff. Um, you know, without getting on another jag here. Um, I do think it is interesting with the classical music. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't know anything about music theory or really even that much about classical music, but but I do find it very interesting that it's it's you know Mozart, the the, the box like the uh, like for me personally Tchaikovsky, um, you know, amongst others, like that's what we think of when we think of like composed music like this, um, and there really hasn't been anything to eclipse it. Since like I don't know, 200, 200 years, three hundred years now. I'm doing math in my head. I'm failing. Mm-hmm. 
uh, not 300 years, but like two over 200 years. Um, you know the the modern version of the of the operas, and you know the the digital age, for for lack of a better term, of like what we would call, you know, most of the the 1900s. Um, you know, we we have movies, and certainly there's like the John Williamses of, of the world, um, but I, I don't think people like put them on the same level as as, as a Mozart. So I, I just I find it very interesting that like they they kind of struck captured whatever lightning in a bottle uh, way back like 200 years ago and that's been it like, yeah I, I don't know i don't maybe more people that know more about about this kind of music would, would have something to say about that but for the layman like like me um you know this this is what we know yeah i, I was gonna say the same thing it feels like there was these competitive composers like i even heard that beethoven was a student of Solari, like like all these all these guys that we know, like the pop culture composers, kind of all from this basic area. Not not both there back then. Nothing has happened since. Like I said, yeah, I I just think that you know music has always been a fad, and right, and so it's just not music in general is a fad, but the type, the genres of music, mm-hmm. and that's just I think I don't know. I think this is probably where it is, or maybe no. Maybe there's tons of brand new uh, classical music being created today that we're just not. Right, you know, but 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 it definitely is a level of like skill, intelligence, uh, genius that like to be able to come up with a whole arrangement and get it on paper. Like it's yeah, it it seems like a very very rare skill (laughs) set (laughs) that people have. Like it is, it's it's so foreign to me. Yeah, yeah. Like I get, it. I took basic music. I, I know where notes lie on your. I already forgot your. What's the? What are the lines called? See, that's how much I don't remember. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's where the scoodly dads go on the. Uh... <laughs> mm-hmm. But like that's one thing to put your notes down. You know the actual notes down. But yeah, to like okay, this is when the oboe comes in. This is when the lyrics come in. This is what. Yeah, it's. But to go back to my point, just hearing him just talk about it and describe it and how. He can just see that by reading the page and just, I don't know, just cool. I, I I am fascinated by, this is where I go on rabbit holes on YouTube, which could be good or bad. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. People who are really, really appreciate something, listen to them talk with enthusiasm about something that I don't know about. But hey, you talk about it so much that something I'm going to look into. Like that's kind of how, for me, like Kevin Smith, his love of like, Batman and comic books like okay Batman's cool and all but whatever and then to hear him have these interviews with these old back in his this podcast was more about interviewing old school comic book writers and, and artists and stuff and hearing them talk and how enthusiastic they were I'm like okay all right I gotta t- give this a shot and look at it um, and that goes with all sorts of professions up there whenever I hear something like that's really really fascinating you know, and the people who are like are so anti-vaccine, and I'd love to follow up on that and just figure out. Okay, that that was a joke. Um, <laughs> that's the you. joke. <laughs> okay, they really are putting microchips in. I got it. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, like like <laughs> right. I've been saying, like my my reception, my phone hasn't uh, improved at all. I'm starting to think this is all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> My battery in my phone's been draining a lot quicker lately, so I don't know. I don't know about that. But have you had but have you heard about how 
user friendly Windows 10 is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex, number three. My number three is yeah, Amadeus. Awesome. Amadeus. I mean, you always you always hear like uh, when you're in class in history class and music appreciation something like that. It's like, oh yeah, Amadeus. You know, Mozart was a rock star back in the day. And, you know, it, it's uh, when I was in class, it was kind of hard to picture. It was like those fops with the wigs and everything. Rockstar, <laughs> I don't know. So I really like the way that they portrayed Tom Holtz portrayed uh, Mozart in this one. It's just like, yeah, I mean, this is pretty fucking Rockstar over here, <laughs> including with the dying young and, and throwing away his life to, to drugs. It's pretty awesome. I mean, not awesome, but <laughs> I mean, the portrayal. And everything, it really, it really sets the pictures. Like, okay, yeah, now I can, now I can see how somebody in this era would have been a fucking rock star. Uh, I love how he, how defiant he is. How he doesn't want to go back to what is it, Salzburg? Yeah, yeah. To the archbishop, and he moons him, kinda. Yeah. With that awkward bow. Uh, yeah, the 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 awkward silences that he has, that he just breaks with his hyena laugh. I thought those were great. Uh, yeah, and all the way to his decline. Uh, very, very sad. Why, why? Now, maybe you can tell me this, uh, Scott, because you're you're a bit more of a history buff than I am. Why didn't they follow, his family follow him over to the gravesite? Was it because they were afraid of disease? Was it like the plague? That wasn't going on. Um, there, was that's, that's a good question. Um, I think for the purposes of the story here, uh, part of it was like they just couldn't afford to like give him a get him a, a private plot. At that okay. Point. Um, yeah, that's what I thought too. I, I think pro- probably because it was a ways out, and there's just no good way to get there back. It looks like the the body was also coming out of a church, right? So they it seems like they did mm-hmm. have some kind of service. Um, so the internment maybe wasn't like that necessary for them but yeah i, I don't know it's it, it is i mean disease was definitely concerned that, that's why they they throw the the lie on the the bodies or part mm-hmm. of the reason um probably more for the smell than anything else but uh uh yeah yeah i'm sure they had to be careful about that stuff okay because yeah at first when they when they were carrying the casket off of the wagon and I saw the flap in there. It's like, what the hell is that for? <laughs> then they yeah, <laughs> they yeah. just leaned them over. It's like, oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. that is harsh, harsh you reality. Need to keep your coffin. Yeah. In graveside with a bunch of other dudes. Presumably, I mean, I don't know if they were progressive enough to mix genders in the <laughs> mass grave back then, but uh, yeah, a tragic end to. Uh, the rock star genius, Wolfie. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hey, how's Wolfie doing? Yeah, I kept I kept thinking of you assholes every time they said Wolfie. Like, kind, of, kind, of, kind of pulled me out of the movie, and it's not the movie's fault. It actually just occurs to me right fucking now. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't believe I, it. I could I could I could only hear you like different like you or, or mostly you, Alex. <laughs> Sometimes Jeff. <laughs> Hey, Mom, how's Wolfie? Hey, well, he's got a lie on his face. Yeah. Um, 
So when you were just talking about him being a rock star, like I mean, if you look at how like Motley Crue and those guys were dressed in the eighties, it's not too much different. <laughs> yeah, screw the crew. Remember that? <laughs> they had uh I mean they, they didn't wear wigs, they just grew their hair like that. But other than that. Yeah, it's true. I just know those chicks from Poison are hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh Scott number three. Uh <laughs> speaking of the coffin, uh just Mozart's kind of uh, indignant death in this movie. Uh, like, yeah, I, th- I think they they did a really smart thing of, of not making his actual death scene overly dramatic. Um, he's, he's kind of already on his last legs, and then uh, the wife goes back to the bed, and yeah, he's just dead. No, no final gasps, no, no nothing like that. Um, you know, that's. that's no sh- no shmi, just bleh. yeah. It's it's very the same person hut. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's uncomfortably realistic. Uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah. It gave me chills. And then uh, they yeah they, they show a bunch of people coming out of the church. Um, basically, all the characters in the movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, just him getting thrown into a random grave in the the reusable coffin. Is like the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh god! Like they couldn't even get his own thing. Um, and yeah, they, they just toss a bunch of lie and they just leave it open. It's raining. Uh, like this is because yeah, it wasn't filled up yet. Yeah, this this yeah exactly. Uh, this is this is the the final resting place for what would become one of the you know the all time great musicians in, in modern history. Uh, you know, however you define modern, anyway. Uh, yeah, just it was really just fucking depressing. <laughs> this is this this is it. Uh, this, this is how it all how it all ends. Uh, it just it, it again drives home his his kind of downward spiral. That, that this is this is how he ends up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Which is my number two. His funeral scene i have it and just not so much as death scene which is like i said it's just kind of happens and i i, I kind of agree with everything you said there uh, but yeah just him just being thrown into a hole with others like i don't think i knew that when i watched this movie the first time and i think that's what really hit me it's like, okay well yeah he's broke but maybe he's gonna pull through he's gonna run it. i had no idea like i didn't know the history so when that happened the first time i saw it I was like what one of those things you immediately start googling and everything i'm like holy crap yeah it's just messed up just Yep, you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, everything Scott said. Oof. Alex, what's your number two? My number two is Salieri. It's like the story being told by the antagonist. It's awesome. It's such a good framing device for the whole movie. Telling, yeah, Scott said, unredeable narrator, so you don't know which parts he's embellishing, which parts are actually true. Um <laughs> Well, actually, you know that when he's talking about the music and how Mozart was brilliant and how he, much he loved it, that was 100% true. It's like, uh, yeah, the, him going back through the timelines was great. Uh, Jeebus, what else is there to say? I mean, it was, it was just all around great performance. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Scott, number two. Uh, number two is uh, right before his death, the the collaboration 
Um, that was a, a, a brilliant scene of, mm-hmm. of uh, Tom, Tom Hulse dictating the, the, the composition, I guess, um, and, and Solieri um, going along and getting it and then not quite getting it because it's kind of beyond his, his grasp to come, come up with on his own. And then he sees it, um, and then just co- them going back and forth. And, and uh, it's, uh, you know, Hulse is great here, just kind of, you know, being on his last legs, but it's really um, uh, Abraham as, as Salieri here, where you get kind of caught up in his excitement uh, to the point you almost forget that that he's trying to kill the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just just the back and forth uh, was was just really good stuff, like as as like a dramatic like you know anatomy of a scene kind of thing. Uh, just his 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 excitement and uh, you know you see Abraham get it like again as early in the movie he describes reading the the, the sheets and and seeing the music in his head and and uh, and it's all the more um, tragic and I'll, I'll use that word again here in a minute but. Uh, tragic that uh that you find out that uh part at least part of the reason i mean just sheer arrogance is has got to be the other part but um like mozart like apologizes Salieri for kind of like not not thinking that that he wasn't like i don't maybe if you ever really considered him like definitely never considered him on the same level uh but we thought yeah. of him as, as kind of uh um as someone who uh, just dismissed him out of hand, and that wasn't the case, and that, that kind of informs some of his behavior, anyways, towards Salieri. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it turns out that he thought that Salieri, like, just didn't get him. Um, you know, and then had that apology there right before the very end. Um, I don't know if those were his last lines. Um, I think maybe he gives some more composition. I don't remember, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you kind of kind of see again from Abraham where he's like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to our number ones, and my number one, and this is kind of like, well, the funeral scene was very depressing, and it kind of is a perfect any kind of for this movie, even as sad as it is. Um, when you're one of the first introductions to him when he's in there they have that when Salieri has created a special song for him that march or whatever and the emperor's playing it when he walks in and then oh we like to hear you play it and they hand him the notes like oh, i already know it like he that much of a genius and savant and everything he heard it he knew enough of it and then he's playing it and just like yeah just throwing it in his not on purpose but like kind of throwing it in his face and then that one line is like that's how it ends, but that really doesn't work, does it? And he just makes it better on the fly. So awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it just kind of loops. That's it. That's it. Just repeats from there, huh? And then he just makes that little. <laughs> oh, that doesn't really work, does it? And then how about this? All of a sudden, all the other people in the palace are lo- looking in on the room. Just all of a sudden, you know, to hear this great music coming. That that was just really cool. Goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. <laughs> that's where that came from. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a nice, fun... That's how you want to remember Mozart by. Not his end, but that part. So that's why that's my number one. Nice. Alex. 
It's awesome. Uh, just the whole music. I mean, they played Mozart's music throughout the whole the whole movie, but the way that they integrated into the story is awesome. Uh, like whenever, like I loved it when uh, Mozart was just at the table, and you hear like one of his scores, like as he's writing, and you hear like thunderous knocks on the door, and then you find then his wife finally breaks through and goes Wolfie, and as soon as he looks up, the music cuts immediately. So it's like, oh shit, that was you know that's what he's listening to, that's what he's hearing, and he's writing down as he's writing the notes. That was just a, a perfect way to show like how fast he thinks about this music like in real time he's thinking about the whole you know arrangement as he's writing it down at the same time that's brilliant yep definitely yeah. uh like yeah they didn't have to compose any music for this movie like they just arranged the, the pre-existing stuff and, and it works mm-hmm. to great effect i agree yeah, yeah, that was I, weird seeing uh, at the opening credits music musical arrangements by this guy and, and this person. <laughs> There's no composer. Right. I also like they even mentioned like he, he doesn't make any mistakes when he writes it down, right? There's no like corrections. Oh, that should have been a C minor or whatever. He's just like, nope. He just knew it right. He just writes it down. That's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Solier is checking his work. <laughs> and then yeah. he drops it because he's he's like pretty much creaming his jeans and how good this music is. And he drops the sheets. And his wife, is it good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, the one thing, because I am, like I said, I, I know a couple of Mozart songs, and I'm sure I've heard a bunch of them, but I don't know. It's like, sometimes when he's talking about, like, that one scene that I love, when he's talking about how, you know, simple note, hell on. And, like, I don't know, because you hear music, is that what he's talking about right there? I don't know about music, you know, if that's what he's talking about. He probably is, the notes. But I just, mm-hmm. yeah. The operas, I don't really know which one's like the history of them or have I've heard them before obviously I haven't been to an opera obviously that doesn't make sense but I, I haven't if <laughs> you can tell by my culture on this <laughs> podcast um but yeah like oh that sounds like I've heard this before but then I'm gonna honestly say like I'm sure if I heard any opera song I'd say oh yeah I'm sure I've heard that before <laughs> I'm, I'm such a yeah, I'm not even the right Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Yeah, I heard that audio. Exactly the, the okay. I can tell you this: when you're doing the Figaro song, I'm like, that the one from Bugs Bunny, Figaro, 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 Figaro. So yeah, yeah. That's it. That's my number one. Enrico or, Plaza. I don't know who's number one. That was, that was Alex's already, right? So we're on the Scots. Yeah. Uh, number one is is Salieri and then the the job that. That F. Murray Abraham does with him in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, you know, we pretty much covered most of his performance, but there's this kind of undercurrent of, of him. He's just kind of seething throughout the entire movie. Uh, that that I think is is great. Where he he he's too in control of himself to ever really have any outbursts, um, but he's just so uh, uh, not necessarily enraged, but uh, he just can't believe like what's going on uh, with, with Mozart, um, and it kind of uh, just affects all of his actions, as as per the the story he recounts, um, and, and just as a character study, uh, this is a, a fascinating character, uh, who in, in his way, even though he's the villain, uh, is is more tragic even than Mozart. Um, from a certain point of view, um, you know the, the movie sets him up very early, 
where he calls uh, his father choking to death a miracle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like that sets up man. the character right away of like, okay, we don't need to feel sorry for this guy ever. Uh, but um, just that he he gets again the genius of, of what Mozart's doing. Um, you know, he he's like the one person in the movie that that actually does get it, and uh, he's he's you know skilled enough, smart enough to recognize that that genius, but uh, also just smart enough to know that he can't he can't replicate that that he's not on that same level. Um, like that's that's got to be a fucking awful feeling, like <laughs> like yeah. to 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 know that. At some point, that you are like better than than all of your peers, and then have somebody else come along that you can't even touch. Uh, like, that, not to say that that excuses any of his actions, but um, you can see how that would eat away at him. Um, it's it's an interesting kind of uh, character concept uh, to to basically revolve a plot around. Uh, so yeah, again, uh, Salieri and, and Abraham are are, are both uh, great here. Agreed. All right. Very cool. Um, before we get on, before we get into any honorable mentions, I just have to say I'm looking at the Wikipedia of Mozart here, and um, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, baptized as you want to hear his <laughs> his name here? Yeah, he's practically Mexican. <laughs> I don't even know how to say these words. Johannes, yep, Chrysostomus, Wolfgangus, right. mm-hmm. Theophilus, mm-hmm. Mozart. There it is. Amadeus. Amadeus. Mm-hmm. So Amadeus. Right. Uh, that's uh, Latin for like love of God, which there explains go. why they named the movie that. Because of uh, that's true. Salieri's Amma whole thing. Salieri's, yeah, love of God. Ama, love, Deus is God. Wow, look at that. <gasps> that makes sense. Agricola. Agricola est and Wea. Yeah, they should have named Our the movie Gricola that. Agricola and Wea est. Got to put the verb at the end. And there's all this, yeah, Christomus, Wolfgangus, Theophilus, all, yeah. There's a lot of S's. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta learn my history. So he's still part of the Roman Empire? Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah. Slight difference. I know. Mm-hmm. But, um... Alright, any honorable mentions? Uh, just the, the wolfy thing. <laughs> it's pulling me out of the movie every time. Just the wolfy thing. The, oh, what, my other honorable mention that was driving me nuts was how they used uh, hair... Instead of like Mister, uh, which is not how that works, because hairs for titles. So you'd say hair composer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or hair conductor. You wouldn't say hair Mozart. I see. You wouldn't use hair with names. That's incorrect. Oh, okay. Didn't they just say hair Doctor Jones? Well, you'd be hair doctor. That's, that's mm-hmm. that, I don't know if that's right or wrong to add the name at the end of it, but yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't use it just for names. Hmm. There it is. 
uh, my honorable mention is I really like, and I didn't notice this until like the movie was over, pretty much. But I like that they didn't force all the actors to do German accents. Everybody was just speaking, you know, English without an accent, unless that actor had a particular, you know, accent. I think one of the one of the king's dudes like actually had a legitimate like accent. But I I feel I feel like there was some internal logic to that, where. All of the Germans and Austrians all had American accents. Like they didn't, like, and if they were, if you were somewhere else, then whatever. Because well, like, I mean, like, because I think, I think Solieri, like Abraham is giving him like a slight kind of Italian thing. So he's yeah. kind of, he's kind of a weird exception. But I think all the, at least all the Germans and Austrians in this um, are, are all like affecting like an American accent. Hmm. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. I thought Solier was just speaking just English. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, d- uh, I did like they talked about, they were like, subtle. If this is Marble Building, uh, mentionings of Marie Antoinette, right? Oh, yeah. About... <laughs> oh, maybe she'll be in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was going back to the politics thing about how uh, Marriage Figaro is like, Causing all kinds of un- unrest yeah. in France. My cousin, Marie Antoinette. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's, that's basically the real history played out where, like, <laughs> he did not come to her rescue. At least not not as much as he might have. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right, my honorable mentions was Jeffrey Jones. I thought it's weird seeing him in this kind of a role. He's kind of always like the doofus and the, yeah. the weirdo. So it's good to see him here. And then you guys mentioned Mozart's laugh. It was hit or miss with me. I, I get it, like Scott was saying. Like, you, you get it as a character trait, you got to show up. But it was a little, sometimes a little much. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's time to rate it. Uh, as usual, we rate on a scale of one to seven. One being garbage, seven being perfection. But before you before you, you start, Jeff, mm-hmm. I just want to say that our, our one to seven, like, this movie isn't very well served. <laughs> Why is that? Just because, like, wanting to watch it again is, is one of our criteria. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be. Like, I don't. I don't think any of us are going to be like hot to see this again anytime soon. And that's not an indictment on how good it is. Correct. Yeah. Just saying. Sure. Anyway, sorry. But I would watch it again. Oh yeah, and, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. I really enjoyed this maybe even more the second time and i am going to give this a six i will rewatch this um any movie that is entertainment entertaining and makes me more curious about the history and like immediately after watching this went on some youtube videos last night and you know how much of this is real how much of it is not um just stuff like that um yeah i really enjoyed it and i will watch this again um so a six for me alex i'm also going to give this a six yeah, like like we said at the start, this didn't really feel like a three-hour movie. Uh, it kept me entertained the whole time. Like, I didn't... There, there was no lulls, like, in the movie. Well, I mean, there were slow points, but there was nothing where it's like, oh, shit, okay, this is happening, so I pull up my phone and, you know, do bullshit on there, whatever. I didn't, I didn't do that at all. And if a movie can keep my attention for three hours, it deserves a six. All right, nice. Scott. Uh, also giving this a six. Uh, this is a, a gripping uh, period drama piece. 
Um, and it is something that we didn't really talk about, like, uh, you know, almost just like, uh, it's not really a mystery, but, you know, if, if you're going to write a mystery about how to kill somebody without actually, like, doing the job, like, what would that look like? And I, I think yeah. it's interesting that this movie does that. Just work of the death. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wow. We haven't had a, I think, um... A devil's threesome. Yeah, we had the, uh, the the devil's number on here in a long time. Six, six, six. All right. Anyway, it's time for a crossover, which is top five betrayals in movies, TVs, video games, music, whatever, what you will. Mm-hmm. And um, my number five is Hal from two thousand one oh, Space Odyssey. That's good. Um, yeah. What are you doing, Dave? Open the open the door. Uh, whatever. I can't let you do Doors. that, Dave. Yeah. So how nine thousand or five thousand? Nine thousand, right? Not not, not how <laughs> not how shit pants. Not shit pants. How's my number five, Alex? My number five is from Scream. I remember that 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 was a very uh, that betrayal sticks out in my head because uh, at the time when I watched it in the theaters, I did not see that coming. Good old Skeet Ulrich. Skeet, skeet, skeet. skeet, yep. skeet. Ah, it was me and Matthew Lillard. We did it. Lillard. Spoilers. <laughs> All right. Hey, Sydney. All right, Scott, number five. Number five. Uh, goes without saying, this whole list is. is... All our, all, all of our lists are spoilers here, but uh, number yes. five is, is for a movie that it feels like we did pretty recently. Uh, but uh, Joey Pants uh, from The Matrix. Oh shit! Cipher. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it's not that big of a surprise, but uh, like he, he's such a shit heel that it that it definitely uh, is is one of the more memorable ones. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe because we did it more recently, it's it's like the first thing that popped in my head. But uh, yeah. Yeah, not Joey, like this. Joey, Joey pants. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, not like this. Not like this. Yeah, that, that follows it up. No, I don't believe it. You All right, well, that's my. You still get a bird. Yeah, that's my number four. <laughs> is Cipher from the Matrix? Why oh why did I take the blue pill? Mm-hmm. But he was a good heel. He was, and I think it's a a realistic. Betrayal. I could totally see be pe- people being brought out of the Matrix and wanting to go right back in, and they'll do anything for it because the mm-hmm. real world is so bad. So I buy it. Alex, number four. My number four is a movie that, yeah, I. It, sometimes it feels like I'm the only one that watched this movie, but Matchstick Men. Have you guys seen this? Nope. Uh, I don't think I have. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's a it's a movie about con artists with uh, Nicolas Cage. And, uh, yeah, the whole movie is just one big con, and he gets, spoiler alert, he gets betrayed. Is, is he more of a matchstick protector? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, he is. All right, Scott, number four. Number four is, I'm stealing this from one of you guys' lists early. Uh, and that would be one Lando Calrissian. Damn it, Scott, you're stealing my list. You're one ahead of me. All right, well, I'll let you talk. Behind me. <laughs> oh, not me. I talk about Scott because I, yeah. I have a combo for my number three. Um, so 
I, I'm curious, Jeff. You 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 probably remember better than than Alex and you know I again I'm not like the super fan that you guys are, so I probably didn't see it till a little later. But um, like, what did you think at the time? Do do you even remember? Okay, me being three. Okay. Well, I mean, you, but I mean, you were, you were like watched more than three. Hours. Yeah, no, I remember as a young age, like, oh, why do you do that? He's Han Solo's friend. <laughs> like that okay. kind of my reaction. Okay. Um, and then, but think I'm I was of age like by the time that I really started understanding stuff, I already knew that. Okay, well, he's still Han Solo's friend. He did. He had to do it. He had no other choice. Yeah, just just still character. He's like super slick, and you know, he's hitting on lands right off the bat, and then. Uh, you're like, oh, I can't believe you betrayed him, and then uh, the pray I don't alter it further with the, the deal thing. And mm-hmm. It's good shit. Lando. Yeah. All right. Well, my number three is Lando Calrissian. Um, everything we said that you meet him. I mean, Han Solo does set it up. Like, okay, I don't trust him, so it's not totally out of character. But he's so friendly at the beginning and everything, and yeah, it is is a big. Kicking the pants. Although it doesn't last that long, so there is that, right? By the end of the movie, he's only in like the what last thirty minutes of the movie, and by the end, he's already and they, free and, and chewy. They, and, and then they make him a general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's wearing his clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Can, and then, but so five dudes, Star Wars. The other portrayal, which I hate to say this, would be like the Order sixty six, the stormtroopers, clone troopers turning on all the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they all got like chumps. Got it. Yeah. Uh, but especially now, if you're like watching the Bad Batch, if you watch the Clone Wars, the relationship between the Jedi and clones were pretty was pretty tight for that to happen. I said it wasn't executed correctly in the, in the prequels, but it's a pretty big portrayal. Pun intended. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. And uh, can can we just yeah. can I just say that it's still fucking horseshit that that Neom knew wasn't riding shotgun with Lando. In uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, sure, yeah. the whole movie sucked. So yeah, you can say that. <laughs> well, I'm just yeah. saying, like, that I'm still that. If I had to pick one thing that I'm angry about, that that would be it. Mm-hmm. Wait, but what about that little shithead guy? <laughs> <laughs> Babu Frick. Oh, there you go. Oh, That's great. <laughs> I know he should have been riding shotgun. I mean, I, that would have been a close second. Yeah. <laughs> he should have been on Neonum's shoulder. Oh, dude. Don't even get me started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Alex, number three. My number three. We just mentioned this last podcast. Uh, Mission Impossible. John Voight really dude. screws him over. Mm-hmm. He, he he talks about the, his wife and he says, uh, I know you had sampled the goods. <laughs> I was supremely confident. Little baby bird. You sound more like Al Pacino. Yeah, no, I guess. I, I, I hear myself dropping into it. Damn it. <laughs> Come on, pelican. Fly, pelican. Fly, pelican. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, Scott, number three. <laughs> number three. Uh, video games. Uh, I, I couldn't help but put it on here. This this shit rocked my world when I was in, jeez, uh, the fourth grade, fifth grade when I played it. But Final Fantasy IV, uh, <gasps> two in America, uh, and that was when uh, spoilers. Uh, that's when Kane betrays you. 
Not not just the first time, but the second time. <laughs> I know what an asshole. Double and his name is Kane, and you still Kane. fell for it. Double yeah. betrayal. Well, it's spelled with a K, so yeah. Uh, but double betrayal, like I couldn't believe it. Like I don't know, eleven year old me, ten year old me was like, <gasps> "Hey, you son of a bitch! Son of a bitch must pay." Mm-hmm. And then, like the third time, it's like I don't trust you anymore, but. I don't have a choice, so let's rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were being mind controlled. Yeah. yeah. Then Medio set him free. <laughs> Got rocked by that fucking spell. This old man knows Medio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to my. You just reminded me of something, which I'll put as my auto mention. It won't bump anything off, but you did remind me of something. Um, my number two is. From the Godfather to Fredo. Oh, nice. In- inadvertently, retardedly, <laughs> so, betraying I'm Michael. I'm smart, yeah. Michael. I'm Not smart. really knowing what he was doing, betraying Michael and his family. Um, and then uh, you could say at the end, obviously, I'm, Michael was betraying his family by, I mean, Fredo was innocent. He, he didn't know what he was doing and he shouldn't have done what he did at the end of the movie. But, yeah. Fredo, Michael, Corleone's, olive oil, mm-hmm. tomatoes in their mouth, orange slices. <laughs> orange slices. Look what I did to my boy. All right. Um, you could say that uh, Don Corleone betrayed the entire five families when he said, I would not be the first to raise my hands and do stuff. He and didn't kill everybody. Well, Michael did. Well, Michael didn't make that. <laughs> okay. but he was planning with his dad the whole time but I guess you're right um, alright Scott or sorry Alex number two my number two is also from a video game and one that just got a uh, remake recently just came out last week Mass Effect oh. and the whole the villain that starts the whole thing off Saren yeah so good yeah his betrayal and then he's still on the council because they won't believe you you stupid chiefs <laughs> a whole council full of stupid chiefs. Yeah. They're like anti-human assholes. Yeah. But, uh, damn it, I want to play. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I want to get it on PC, but I don't want to deal with origin bullshit. I'm, yeah, I, so you can... <laughs> go on a tangent here. Uh, you, can, mm-hmm. you can buy stuff through Steam, and I think you just, like... I have to sign in like the one time and then you're good. At least that's how it is for like me and Dragon Age Inquisition. Okay. But yeah, yeah I, I had to sign up for Origin for something. I already forgot what that yeah, was. Yeah, no, I was super fucking annoyed though that like I can't just launch it straight out of Steam. That's, that's yeah. dumb. But uh, yeah, I'm deciding whether I want it on PC or my Xbox. And, uh, anyway. Anyways. Yes. Oh, oh, speaking of um, Steam and then you were talking about, uh, well, you trying to do a John Voight and you turn into a Scarface. Uh, we talked about that last week, and so it's a recommended Scarface on my Fire Stick, so I actually watched a little bit of that, which reminded me, I want to play Vice City, which I haven't played in forever. <laughs> Is that probably on uh, Steam? Maybe? Probably? Probably. Alright. Maybe. I'll have to play that. Maybe. I just like driving around listening to the 80s music. <laughs> You've got my, touch. My convertible. You've got power. Doing loads of cocaine. All right. Uh, 
Scott. It's like, he is like Mozart. My my number two is also Fredo. So All right. there we go. Okay. Uh my number one, I'm doing a twofer because it's from the same series. Mm. There's multiple betrayals in this, but I will mm. have to go with Walder Frey betraying the Starks. <laughs> And the Red nice Wedding. Damn it. The world. That's, Red that's Wedding. Good. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. And then, uh, to a lesser extent, but the first version of the portrayal would be like Littlefinger portraying Ned in the first season. I told you not to trust me. Or whatever he said. And then that was in a Ned Stark. Both these portrayals. <sighs> so, yeah. It, the house it, was, it. it was so good reading the books. Like, not seeing it coming. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'd think I would have learned after the first book. And then the third book is, is when the, the Red Wedding comes around. Yeah. It's the it's first time, first and last time I ever had to put a book down. It, it was it was like a never-ending story about how he tells you some books aren't safe. Like, I read that and then I like I couldn't believe what I read. And I like, had to put it down and like process it for a minute and then go back and read it again. Like I, I you jumped on your Falcor and flew yes, around. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I remember it was because I I didn't read the books. I read the, the half of the first book before the show because everyone kept telling me in, but not even half of them. Never mind. I read like <laughs> those books are big. You read so the I probably didn't read half. The I read, <laughs> nothing really got spoiled. I'll just say that much. And then so, the, but the Death Star killing the death was like, uh, shit, that just happened. Okay, so all right, this that's how this show is gonna be, and then. I had a feeling something was going to happen with uh, Rob Stark, but not the way it happened, especially not with his wife and unborn child and his mom and the wolf. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. just, oh, mm-hmm. God. That's such a good oh, See, why did Game of Thrones have to end so poorly? <laughs> change he was the good ending for the book. It's not too late. We can, we can all sign the change.org. <laughs> USH. Alright, Alex, what's your number one? My number one, Star Wars, Darth Vader betraying the Emperor. Ooh. Yeah, best, it's the lightning teeth. He best couldn't stand lightning teeth. ever. Yeah. Oh, that's Ooh, awesome. I didn't think that direction. Alright, I like that. Yeah, the Emperor's, he, he's got him on the ropes. Father, please! He's like, hey, he's my machine. And then he tosses him <laughs> down the <laughs> tosses him down the reactor. Verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you Skywalker. You will die. No. Oh, Jeebus. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is the You know, uh Kurt Russell drew inspiration for that scene for the Tombstone scene when he's walking on water. <laughs> no. Awesome. Very cool. Good job, Alex. All right, Scott, oh, number you. one. Uh, keeping with the fantasy theme, at least. Uh, yeah, Star mm-hmm. Wars is fantasy. Yeah. Uh, my number one is uh, a betrayal that is immediately redeemed. <laughs> and, uh, and I think you know where we're going with this, but uh, that'd yeah. be Boromir from uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. uh, who tries to take the ring from Frodo and you, you get one of my favorite scenes in, in all three movies with uh, 
Eric Gordon right after that, where he tells him, you know, I would have followed you into the, the very fires of Mordor. Um, and, you know, Aragorn realizes that, yeah, the ring would take control of him, so he lets him go. Um, and then Boromir saves the other two kind of, to that point, completely worthless hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, completely uh, worthless hobbits. <laughs> fool of a took. Yeah. Like, Pippin's pretty, like, worse than useless for, like, <laughs> three-fourths of uh, everything that goes on. But, uh, um, no, I, I, well, I'll take that back. Like, half of everything. Not three fours. Um, weed's not going to smoke itself, Scott. Maybe that's true. Yeah, uh, he's the one that tricks <laughs> Is that and and stuff. But, uh, uh, but yeah, Boromir um, redeems. He keeps his honor. Um, dies like a fucking man taking those tree trunks. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he also wanted to give the hobbits a moment for pity's sake. He did. Yeah, he I mean, did. There's, 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 there's like Sean Bean. Like you know, I could go on and on about this. But there's lots of little great moments, like like early on when he's like kind of teaching the, the hobbits how to fight and they're like roughhousing and like like that's like genuine you know that's that's like who he is at his best um, but uh yeah the extended the, cuts helped his character almost more than anybody maybe him or maybe saruman i'm not sure true. but like yeah in the original cut of a fellowship he's just like yeah he's he's wrestling with the kids or the hobbits i should say he has the, <laughs> the one kids. moment with the ring in the snow and then like He's just brooding and evil, and then there's no like him pleading to Aragorn to like bring it to yeah, this people to yeah, help. Like, there's none of that stuff. He just goes from being okay, he's kind of weird, but he's not that bad to just like he's rowing a boat with the grimace, just like oh, I'm gonna get that ring. Yeah, <laughs> Rigo, I can't swim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, uh, and then yeah. like the two towers, the extended cut of him, yeah, uh, winning the battle of of Gilead. Osgiliath? Osgiliath, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, how the fuck did I remember that? Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nerd. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then, and then like, best death speech ever. That is true, too. <laughs> I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. My king? <laughs> Scott's got like five things on this podcast, and that's one of them. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just do a top five of my top five. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to create a, We don't even have to have Scott come on. We'll just we just have soundboard. You know what's funny? We should, we should do a top five of my top fives and then see, like, if, if any of them are different. <laughs> uh, anyway. Nice. There we go. All right. I thought about Lord of the Rings. I thought about Boromir. I decided to go with Game of Thrones. Is Gollum betraying and... Like he's kind of good, kind of not, but it's not, he was never really good. No. So I mean, you, you you know you bring up an interesting point because he at one point he does generally want to help him, so and he definitely betrays his friend at the very beginning of a uh, return. So that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, Smeagol promised, Smeagol lied. I want to mention to one video game, uh, and that would be Resident Evil. Uh, the, oh yeah, it's fucking Wesker. The Wesker. He turns out to be like a super scientist for some reason as well. But, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Shit. Whatever. Yeah. It's all good. What is this picture of scientist? Wesker. <laughs> all right. Well, I have two honorable mentions. Um, one is the ultimate betrayal. That would be Judas. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> super salad. <laughs> and I could have put it in there because of it's, it's in plenty of movies. Jesus. Um, what? Yes. Yes. Jesus Christ. Uh, 
And the one I thought of while you were talking about video games, I don't know what brought it to mind, would be pretty much WWF through my entire childhood. <laughs> Tons <laughs> of betrayal. Oh, yeah. And uh, I will say Andre the Giant joining Bobby the Brain Heenan to fight Hulk Hogan. Oh, man. And ripping his shirt and chain, cutting his Hogan's chest with his cross as he ripped his, cha- his shirt off. Oh, I was betrayal. And then... Um, uh, there was a specific episode. I think it was the very first SmackDown ever. The Rock was going to fight Triple H for the heavyweight championship at the end of the episode. Shawn Michaels come back out of nowhere, who used to be with, uh, without getting all the details, used to be part of Degeneration X, but he was not anymore. And he was like, fuck you, Triple H. I'm with The Rock side. I'll be the special guest referee. I'll make sure none of this bad shit happens. The Rock's about to win. But ready to do the rock bottom or did the people's elbow and out of nowhere Shawn Michaels super kicks the rock in the face and triple H wins. So pissed off. I was betrayed. When when at what point did he become like what what did the rock do the the heel turn? Multiple times. He kind of started out like well, Rocky like, Maivia. There was a whole. Uh, well, he did like at one point he changed the people's elbow to like the corporate elbow. <laughs> yeah, that's when he joined McMahon. Uh, he was. He was all over the place. I think he kind of played. He was. I don't. Know, he was so good. He was good as a heel and a face. So yeah. I don't remember exactly. And the mic skills. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rudy Pooh candy eyes. Yeah. There's there's the the Hulk Hogan one. Cause he never went heel before that, right? Ever. Well, Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good. I didn't watch uh, WCW, but that's a, supposedly like a really good one when he. Yeah, Hollywood Hogan. That was, was actually super effective, just because again, like, because. His whole shtick was like, yeah, I'm all American, whatever. And then, yeah. He went Hollywood. He went Hollywood, yeah. S- started the New World Order. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, my, just my brother, when we went to WrestleMania 2000 here in Anaheim, and McMahon screwed him, and Brian, as we were walking out of the arena, he was all sad. Yep. Never trust a McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys were like, he was like 11 or 12 at the time, right? Uh, yeah. He was like 20. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2000, what do you got? Yeah, you got like 19. Yeah. 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. Learned, learned hard lessons like that. <laughs> All right, anything else? Nah, I'm good. Yeah. All right, it's time for Alex No Sports. I'm Alex, and I like sports. Sports ball? So is Las Vegas going to get a baseball team? I don't know. You tell us. Probably. Yeah. Uh, the Oakland Probably. A's, they uh, got permission to relocate from the MLB to get their mm. blessing. Their mediocrity <laughs> blessing from the MLB. <laughs> uh, Vegas is going to take Oakland's football and baseball team? Yeah, yeah. Ouch. I got I to gotta think. Why not? Like, I got to think that they don't really want to move out of Oakland. They're just using this as leverage. Because oh, you have the worst stadium in all the sports. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, next to Fenway. But anyway. <laughs> nah, that ain't true. Yeah, they're just playing out in the cornfield with a bunch of ghosts. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting if they if they did that. Uh, I mean, it would have to be another indoor stadium, right? So I would think you don't want to play <laughs> outdoors yeah, in the middle of the summer in Vegas. Oof. I mean, they do nope. it in Phoenix, so it can't be anywhere. Uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, I guess possible. like it Golden Knights is like gangbusters over there, but I don't know. 
I don't know, like mm-hmm. baseball. I don't know, I feel like hockey's a little bit smaller, so it kind of suits Vegas better. I, I don't know. I, don't they have the Cactus Cooler League over there? Already? <laughs> Arizona. Oh, okay. Ah, close enough. Desert ball. And that's only for one month out of the year, so it's not that <laughs> Yeah, for those 500 baseball games, yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, it's always like in, in like, March. March. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for DM News. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Okay. Uh, so just a, a couple of reviews from, from me. Uh, I watched the first couple episodes of Netflix's Shadow and Bone. Uh, don't remember yeah, if one of you had brought this up. I did. You did, Alex? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, I'm a couple episodes in. Uh, I, I like it mostly so far. Um, the, the problem I'm having is I just couldn't care less about the relationship between the two kind of... I guess you'd call them... I guess they'd be the main characters. Yeah. Like, that's the worst part of the show for me. I don't know how much more of that I can take. Uh, so uh, it didn't take me much. I'm already out. Yeah, so we'll see. It definitely dipping its toes into the YA stuff, um, but not too much. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for anything that's like kind of steampunky and, and fantasy at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see. It, it's, it's already like fought a lot of the same tropes. Like, oh, they're in an academy and there's fighting, and then there's like. Like the eccentric teachers and shit. Like, okay, I've seen this, mm-hmm. seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um, Once or twice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of something else that is might turn out to be rather derivative, uh, I watched the first episode of Jupiter's Legacy. Um, also watched all of it. So that one uh, is is a little more violent than than I, a little more vulgar than I was led to believe. Um, mm. Not, not definitely not on the same level as like the boys, or anything like that. Um, yeah, but uh, definitely not for kids anyway. Uh, nope. At least for what I've seen. Um, yeah, another people with power show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we've posed the question multiple times about you know have we reached kind of the superhero saturation or not? And, you know, for me, I'm I'm still game for for all these MCU movies and, and these TV shows, but. We're starting to see a lot of this ancillary stuff, and uh, for the most part, it's fun. Um, but yeah, like I feel like every new show that we're seeing now uh, is is some variation on this, and uh, you know, Ju- Jupiter's Legacy to to be the, the latest. Um, so yeah, I watched the first episode. I enjoyed it. Um, no rush to watch the second one though. Uh, like the the big fight they have was pretty decent at the end of the first episode. Um, spoilers, uh, but nothing mind blowing. Um, yeah, it was just okay for me. It was all yeah, all right. Yeah, so I'm I'm I think that I'm more interested in seeing like the flashback stuff. Than, I know. Than yeah. like what's happening in, in like real time. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but. Uh, Yep, just uh, another power show. Uh, That's actually, yeah, what kept me going was when they were doing the storyline from the past. That was really cool. Um, so, yep, that, that's that's basically all I wanted to talk about. Uh, Alex, anything you wanted to go over? Uh, no, we talked about Jupiter's Legacy. 
I finished that show. Okay. How many episodes is it? Eight. Eight? Okay. Yeah, it seems yeah, to be like the, the standard, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff, anything you wanted to go over? Uh, not much. Uh, a couple things on Star Wars. I did watch the episode three of The Bad Batch. Uh, I won't oh, yeah, talk about it here. Uh, um, but next week I'll do episodes three. We'll do an episode three and four special episode on Patreon. Talk about that there. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, the other thing I haven't I haven't mentioned this. I haven't really been keeping up to date with the Star Wars news, and I started looking into it. Um, the Obi Wan Kenobi series has started uh, production. Started okay. in April. And uh, they released the cast. Um, I'll give a spoiler alert if some people are super hypersensitive to this kind of stuff. It's just the cast, but you know, within casting, there could be uh, spoilers for that kind of that person. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Ian McGregor is in it. Uh, what? Duh. Yeah. What? But but Hayden Christensen is also in it. So uh, oh, we're getting we're getting some Darth Vader. Luma um, Matafa. I don't know who this actress What's Moses here? Ingram is. Moses so seems Ingram. New. Let me, let me yeah. But we're getting Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Paisi back, who are Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Oh. So they're the mm. ones who played them in the prequel. That's, that's so. interesting, the Edgerton, because he's—I I wouldn't say he's an A-lister, yeah. but he, he well, he he does seem game for like these smaller roles too. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um. The rest of the cast, so then there's, I don't know how to say this guy's name, but he's the guy from Silicon Valley, Kamal Nanjiani. Nanjiani? Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be in it. Um, Eterna Varma, who is from Game of Thrones, she was the... um, Yeah, yeah, I know know she is, yeah. She's been in a million uh, things. She also does a lot of voice work, too. Yeah, but for our listeners who may not know, the, um, the Viper's wife from Game of Thrones, right? The one who, like... When his head pops, she's like, Aah! "Yeah, her." Um, <laughs> okay, is yep. Anya Taylor Joy in it? Who? Anya Taylor Joy. I don't see it on my cast list here, but I mean, there could maybe. Oh, you know what it is? One. Okay, because I I looked up Moses Ingram and a bunch of stuff came up for Queen's Gambit, and I was thinking oh, okay. Queen's Gambit in Obi Wan, but I realized she's in Queen's Gambit, so mm-hmm. which is good if nobody's seen that, by the way. I do. I, it's on my list. I need to see that. Yeah, uh, same. Rupert Friend. Don't know who that is. O'Shea Jackson Jr. Hey. Uh, Sung Kang. They got, <laughs> they, <laughs> Sung Kang. They got Bantho out there this big. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is Ice Cube's kid. Oh, okay. Um, okay, there so is. yeah, him, Sung Kang, Simone Kessel, and... <laughs> what? Yeah. Whoa, somebody's doing the Kessel Run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeebus. And Benny Softy. Softy. Safety. I don't know. S A F D I E. So there you go. So we know we have we know who some of these characters are, obviously, with Uncle Owen Amperu, Obi-Wan, and Vader. But it'll be interesting to see what's going on. And if there's any other special appearances, you know, like who knows? You could get a Han Solo in there. You could get a Luke Skywalker. I hope we don't, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think... They may have said... I'm not really reading this. I'm just looking at the basic stuff. 
I think we're gonna get another Obi Wan Vader fight in here, which I don't know how I feel about. I think I'm okay with it, but I'm not sure. And I'm only okay with it because I didn't like Revenge of the Sith fight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there was always some uh, conjecture um, after the first uh, the the new Star Wars movies uh, after Force Awakens whether Obi Wan had a kid. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you have any reason to believe that he gives up his like his vow of celibacy or whatever he gives up the force I have no I have I've never thought about like, it like is that ever <laughs> is that like ever in any of the extended whatever that you made not that I'm aware of but I don't know think he ever extended his lightsaber <laughs> <laughs> gig um, gig like, I know he's appeared, like, the, there's a very classic scene of um, him kind of finishing the job on Darth Maul, where Darth Maul kind of threatens. He finds out where Obi-Wan's at on Tatooine, and he finds out that he's protecting a young boy, and that's when finally Obi-Wan just like, all right, I have to put you down for good. So you do, there's our animated stuff with him, but I don't really know if you get much more of it, but what he's been doing this whole time. I mean, I think that's what this series is supposed to show. Like, what, between him... At the end of Sith, and him, uh, oh, Luke meeting him and him, like a couple of scenes from Clone Wars or Rebels. I forgot if it was Rebels or Clone Wars. Anyway, I'm sure it's going to fill it in. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he. We're definitely in the hut, just hanging out. Yeah. Well, I think we're definitely yeah. going to see him like, <laughs> like creeping on Luke. Yeah. 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 Or more like he's like looking at Luke when he's panning over to Amperu. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I mean, oh, look at that. She's making the blue milk. Oh, yeah. Stuck in, stuck in a cave for that long. Yeah, don't blame the guy. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, not like old Amperu. This brew. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that Bantha down there. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get uh-huh. its milk. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at She's putting it in the juicer. <laughs> oh, look at that Jawa over there. Oh, yeah. All right. What is he? And then also, that thing I didn't mention, the entire series is going to be directed by Deborah Chow. Um, nice. She did a couple episodes of Mandalorian Season 1, like two of the better episodes. She's also, I think, done like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and stuff. She's a really good uh, director, so um, I'm excited about that. Because I think she directed my two favorite uh, Mandalorian episodes last season. Okay. Yeah, and that's all I got. Alright, I think that that wraps it up alright uh, thanks for listening everybody please go support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Hans shop first mm-hmm. we're doing new episodes of Jeff Talk Star Wars talking about the Bad Batch Alex is continuing to do quotes from Springfield we just finished recording uh, the best of season 2 um, which I assume Alex means the start of season 3 is right around the corner mm-hmm. just All in right. time for summer alright Check it out, please. And Scott, silence is on there as well. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Enjoy <laughs> the silence. Yeah. Scott talks about his favorite Depeche Mode song. <laughs> it is my favorite Depeche Mode right. song. Oh, there it is. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, 
please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast.